0: you need to slow down in order to generate better results. You need to focus on creating really great content, better quality, even if it comes at the cost of quantity, so you can make it really, really good, but then that's where this approach of amplification that we talk about all the time, that's where that comes into play. So if I'm gonna take the time to get really intentional about creating something really, really meaningful,
1: podcast junkies episode 292. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you are new to this podcast, it's the one where we speak to interesting voices in the world of podcasting, get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows or whatever else is on their mind. In case you missed last week's episode, we had a great conversation with friend of the show, Matthew Passy, professional podcast consultant. He's helping brands, small businesses and individuals use podcasts and advertising to connect with smart and engaged audiences, We met at Joe Pardo's fantastic, intimate event, MapCon, years ago, and we've remained friends since. Always fun when I get to connect with Matthew in person. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lindsay Chipkema. Hopefully, I pronounced that right, because every time I look at it, (laughs) I'm always confident I'm going to pronounce it correctly, and then I I think I pronounce it different every time. She's the CEO and co-founder of Casted. It's the first amplified marketing platform. And the only audio and video podcast solution designed specifically for enterprise marketers. Today, we talk about adapting business practices in the midst of the pandemic, how to create compelling content, what it means to provide value and enhance the podcasting industry for B2B marketers. And Lindsay shouts out mentors who have helped shape her career arc and what Casted looks for in prospective clients, which is interesting because they have a really specific niche that they're targeting. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Lindsay is an accomplished and experienced entrepreneur, and I really picked up some tips myself, and it's inspiring to see what she's done in the arc of her career as well. Remember, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating or a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies, and we'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. Make sure you check out one of the newest podcast apps that support direct podcaster support. I've been geeking out on Podcasting 2.0 and the podcast run by Dave Jones and Adam Curry. Really, really geek out into the specifics of what's happening with the value for value model, which I'm harping on all the time in this show. Just can't get enough of it. Check out newpodcastapps.com. Check out one of the new apps. Test them out. You'll see uh, how easy it is to support directly the podcasters that you love that are already on value for value. So I know a lot of it gets a little techy and geeky, but newpodcastapps.com. One of my favorites is Fountain. Looking forward to having Oscar Mary, the founder of Fountain, on the show pretty soon as well. Newpodcastapps.com. Okay, I'm going to get off my uh, crypto soapbox. As of this recording, it is Tuesday. And I am about to jump on a plane in two days to head to PodFest Orlando. I will be speaking on Sunday about some of the success I've had with my second show, Vertical Farming Podcast. So if you are going to be in Orlando at PodFest, I'll make sure to promote it on their page, on their group. But also come check it out. I'd love to see you in the audience. I'm really excited. PodFest was one of the last conferences. It was the last conference that my partner and I were at before the pandemic hit. I remember hitting the ground here in Minneapolis, and the world shut down two days later, so it's been crazy to think that we're coming full circle, and now I get to see all of my podcasting peeps again in Orlando for the next uh, three or four days. I'm really excited about that. So again, if you're going to be at the conference or in Orlando, make sure we connect and reach out. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite, and specifically the Scarlet 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag, but for now let's get into my conversation with Lindsay. So Lindsay Chep, come on. CEO and co-founder of Casted. Thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies.
0: I'm happy to be here.
1: <laughs> Are you making the rounds on other podcasts? And is this part of like your marketing outreach?
0: Yeah. I mean, given who Casted is and what we do. Yeah. I, I do a lot of podcasts, our own and others. Yes. I'm a big believer. <laughs>
1: I noticed in your background that you started early on in marketing, and is that something when you were in in college that you had aspirations to be in marketing, and where did the passion for that come from?
0: Yeah, I wish I had a fun story where I was like, you know, an anthropology major or some other, some really fun, crazy path to be here, but I... Yeah, I have an undergrad in marketing. I have a master's degree in marketing. I've always been in marketing, always B2B, always the brand and content side of things. I love creativity. I love people and storytelling. And uh, come to find out, that's pretty much marketing, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering when you first when you had some of your earlier jobs, that first one that you had where you're actually the owner where you first owned your own company, was that leaving was that blueprint marketing?
0: Yep, I did that. I think that was like 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. that I went and did that full-time. I kind of had it on the side for a while and went and did it full-time. I kind of got pulled into it. Just life happened. And it, I, it was like, okay, well, I can either go get a job or I can lean into this full-time. And it kind of took off. Before I knew it, I was serving customers like LinkedIn. And it was, that was the biggest one that was the most fun. So,
1: What was the biggest shift for you internally for you to decide that nine to five wasn't working for you and you need to be doing your own thing?
0: Yeah, it was a couple of things. I, I was excited about the work that I was doing. And at that time, content strategy was a new It wasn't new, but it was like a kind of a on the increase thing that people were interested in, excited about, didn't really understand how to do willing to pay for it kind of thing, which is a good opportunity um, if that's what you do. And personally, I had two year old and infant twins and was like, you know, I think it'd be fun to just kind of do my own thing. <laughs> so little did I know that that meant that I would end up working All the time, and more than I ever had before. But it was an interesting space in my life that that kind of flexibility meant freedom to do what I wanted on my own terms.
1: And you had that company for five years, is that right?
0: That sounds right. Yeah, Yeah, I I was. (laughs) There were it ebbed and flowed as far as being my full focus and and not you know kind of doing it on the side. But yeah, I think it was it existed for about that long. Yeah.
1: How big did you grow it?
0: Oh man, it was always just me. Um, I didn't have any employees. That's that's actually where. I hit a ceiling and I, as anyone who's ever gone out on their own completely on their own, like not starting a startup, but doing your own, being an end of one at a company is you have to face this choice, especially as things are being successful. It's like, I, I literally only have a certain number of hours of the day, especially when, when what you're, the service you're providing is your time, your brain. Sure. And, um, so I, I hit that wall and one of the, um, clients I was working with was like, you should come you should come on board. You should come work here. And they hit me in a moment of weakness when I couldn't scale up anymore. And I think it was also during tax season. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so, so that eventually pulled me out of it.
1: Was that the move to Amarsis?
0: That was the move to an agency called Relevance. Oh, relevance. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I handled, I was working with them kind of on the side as a client. And then I, I came on, on board fully.
1: When did uh, podcasting start to come across your radar?
0: Yeah, that was I was a podcast fan since probably 2014. And then when I moved to Amarsis, as you had mentioned, I, I was brought in there to handle to lead all of their global brand and content. And as part of that, I wanted to start a podcast. I was a big podcast fan. I, the content was completely mine to build and own and create a team around. And I said, you know, we should do this. It'll be a great way to, I don't have to tell you this. It's a great way to, to connect with your audience and to build raising, raising fans and create human to human connections. And so we jumped in. It was, I think it was probably 2016, early 2017.
1: Did you take the lead on creating that show yourself or did you have help?
0: Of course, definitely it helped. It wasn't completely on my own. I, I carried the torch though. Um, I got to be the host, which was pretty fun. And as much as I knew about content strategy, I knew nothing about starting a podcast. It's different, you know. It's it's a different game with different player pieces and different rules, different metrics. And so I had a team that I said, "Hey, okay, you guys don't worry about it. You focus over there." And then a couple of them, I was like, you know, "Come help me." And then I brought in a partner agency called Share Your Genius that really told me how how to do this thing and how it should fit into our overall content strategy. And it all came together.
1: What was the most, what was the thing you had to learn that you didn't know before when it came to podcasting and learning on how to put on a good show, how to create compelling content stuff that you hadn't done in your previous jobs?
0: Man, it's hard to think back to that time. To me, it it was a fun challenge, but a challenge nonetheless to literally get get behind the mic and be the voice of anything. You know, I'm I'm really comfortable with that. It's fun. I like it. But until then, as a marketer, I'd kind of been in the backseat, you know, just uh, writing the things, creating the things, planning the things, posting, publishing, hosting the things. But with the podcast, I was entrusted by this brand to literally and figuratively be the voice of what we were doing. And so that was fun, but it, it was a challenge, and especially not having been the founder. I mean, now it's different; it's sure. from the ground up. But then it was it was kind of stepping into this brand that already existed and saying, "Okay, here's here's how we're going to represent it in this way."
1: So we'll talk a little bit more about podcasting as, as it relates to Casted, but I'm curious when the gears start turning for you and you start getting the entrepreneurial itch again, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, and how the idea came about for Casted and what those conversations look like with your co-founder.
0: Yeah. So as you mentioned. I started a podcast and quickly realized a couple of things. One, it worked. It was great. It was doing everything we wanted it to do. It was creating these human connections internally and externally. So not just with our external audience, but also we had you know nearly a thousand people in this company who were kind of standing up and taking notice in a way that they weren't of our blog posts or social media content. They were like, this is great. This is actually our customers talking about what we do or our internal thought leaders talking about why we do what we do or are teasing up exciting things. This is cool.
1: This is the people actually inside the company responding to the podcast.
0: Yeah. Our salespeople were like, this is great. How do I use this? How do I get access to this? Can I have a clip? Can I share it? And so that was exciting. But then the flip side is that I had had no way to measure it in a way that was meaningful to the brand and the business. I had no way to really get it in the hands of the sales team in a way that they could use it. No amount of money could buy the platform that I needed because it didn't exist. I couldn't my CEO was a big fan. He was like, "Listen to all of your shows. This is so great. I love what you're doing. I can't wait to hear what it's doing for the business. How much revenue is it driving?" And I was like, "I don't know. I, it must be some, right?" Yeah. And he was disappointed. I I was too. And so, you know, to answer your question how did it come about? It's that Age-old entrepreneurial story of being the change you want to see. You know, having a problem and saying, "Okay, if no one's going to solve this, I guess it's on me." And so, oh, can I pause there
1: for a second? Yeah. I'm curious, and maybe your parents can probably answer this question better than you can. But <laughs> what is it about you personally that sees an, a challenge like that, or sees something like that where something can be improved, and sees it as an opportunity? Um, that's is that something inherent in, in you, in your personality?
0: It's interesting. You would have to ask others around me because I don't know. Like I'm not constantly tinkering. I don't have a thousand business ideas. I have lived experience. And I lived as a B2B marketer. I, st- I mean, I still do, but for 15 years. And I've seen it from every angle. I've seen seen things go well. I've seen things not go well. I I've, I've seen things come, you know, the shiny new objects and the new platforms and the new channels and and the one thing that's always been true to me is is human connection, right? Yeah. And so it was that, that that innately told me that hey, podcasting and video like this is a really great way. This is going to be good. This is a good thing. This equals good. And then to also see if this is so good, why isn't there anything here to help me do it better or to understand how it's performing? And that I just couldn't walk away from it. And once I started having conversations with so Scott Dorsey, who started Exact Target, ended up selling it to going public and selling it to um, Salesforce. He's here in Indy, runs a venture studio, and it was a conversation with him. He reached out and just said, hey, how are things going? How are you doing this podcast? Is there something there that seems like a a growing market opportunity? And I said, you know what it is, but it's not about podcasting. It's not, not about audio and video content. It's about the future of B2B marketing. It's about the future of content marketing that has largely been based on written content. And now it's time for it to be based on conversations like the one that you and I are having right now. But there's, you know, what's crazy. There's nothing to support it. There's and in that conversation, that's when I said, you know, this needs to happen. And if it would break my heart, if it was anybody other than me, and you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. I couldn't imagine not doing it. As crazy as it felt to leave the career I would built to go do it, it felt even crazier not too, if that makes
1: sense. Obviously, this is a, a podcast that speaks to other podcasters. <laughs> and it's so we can geek out as much as we want on the podcast tech. But what did you feel was missing? And what did you feel that whatever it is that you were going to create was going to add value or enhance the offering?
0: Yeah. So as podcasters speaking to podcasters, everyone knows that There are a billion tools and point solutions to do little pieces of it, to host it, to syndicate it, to transcribe it, to pull clips, to do this, to do that, but nothing that pulls it all together into one place, especially for B2B marketers. So a B2B podcast that's for the purposes of content marketing, that's thought leadership on behalf of a brand, is very different. The entire business model, the entire reason that you do it is completely different than you know why tim ferris would want to do it or why an author or influencer would want to do it the those people largely do a show to generate an audience and then to sell ads right that's how you monetize it yeah. that's very cool that's great but that's very different than why salesforce or ibm would have a podcast they typically are doing it for brand awareness for top of funnel activity that turns into mid funnel activity that turns into revenue generation, it's it's a conversation starter. So therefore you need to measure different things. And so again, anyone who's been in that situation knows that and has felt the pain of like these tools that exist don't work for me. They, they do one or two pieces of this big, big puzzle. And they're not even, they weren't made for me. They weren't made for how I work. They weren't made for what I need to measure. And so that was really frustrating, right?
1: And so how what was the process of, of getting cast it off the ground? And how did you go about thinking about the the team or the skill sets that you would need to build what you had envisioned?
0: Yeah. So we got started about three years ago. I have two co founders, one who leads the product side and one who leads the revenue side. And together the three of us, you know, I had the domain expertise and you know, sales and, and product. And I didn't want to rely on my own experience because that's just one person. And so this is what I say to anybody who's starting a company is go talk to people. You absolutely should. So I spent the first five or six weeks just talking to other marketers and saying, Hey, podcast, no podcast. Why, why not? What are the challenges? If you had a magic wand, what would you create? And that turned into really great insights. Of course, it also turned into notes for our MVP and what needed to be in the product, what some of our options were for the roadmap. And it also turned into early messaging and our earliest contacts in our CRM, right? So that really got us off the ground. It it kind of started to spread the news that this little company was going to do something in this space. It gave us some great market research about what we should build that people would buy. And then some early insights that helped us to be most successful as we went to market for the first time.
1: Home for you is uh, Indianapolis. It is, and so the decision was always to to, to remain there for the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep,
0: we're here, and talent's here, and it's been it's been a good spot for us. Yeah,
1: and so for folks who know podcasting and know what some of the other companies offer, and some of them are piecemeal. When you think about like all the podcast hosting, like I just mentioned, we I came back from Podcast Movement. I'm trying to shake off my conference flu. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like totally been oh, totally under the weather the past couple of days. Yeah. And I think just got excited being at a conference. Right, I know. I was like, uh, just hug, like hugging all my friends yeah. and stuff. So probably not a good idea. <laughs> but, you know, so naturally you see all the the legacy podcast hosts, you know, the Lipsons, the Blueberries and, you know, the, the folks that have been doing it for a while. But what was it that you were doing or putting together or, or how would you explain Casted to folks that understand podcasting, but what have you done to enhance the offering specifically for B2B?
0: Yeah, so from the ground up it's been made for B2B. So and everything from how they need to organize their information to how they need to be able to search through it and and plan content and campaigns for later on. We make it easy for those B2B teams to say, okay, I already have X number of, shows. I mean, there's no lack of content, right? So how can we say, okay, I already have all this content, I have all of these shows, all this audio and video content. How can I sort back through it? How can I search through it? And how can I recall what I already have to use again? That's, of course, anybody can do that. Anybody should do that. But that, I think that's specifically helpful. It's especially helpful for B2B teams that are trying to expand the reach of the content they already have, again, because it's that ongoing top of funnel brand awareness. We also have been really in tune with the way that those teams work to say, typically, it's not just a creator, it's an entire team, sometimes a global team saying, this person or team is going to create the content, this other person or team is going to create this other show, there might be many, many teams working on the shows. And then there's like a social media team across the ocean and a blog team in this other country, how can we make all of that content centralized and in one place? and easily accessible by all those different teams for all those different purposes so that you can really ring it out, amplify that original show across many other channels. Again, that's something that is helpful for everyone, but is especially helpful for a large B2B disjointed uh, separated team. And then also in the metrics. So again, I mentioned earlier, a lot of other existing podcast tools and solutions look at, you know, number of downloads, things that are really helpful if you're trying to grow your audience and monetize it And are, you know, in a way helpful to a marketing team as well. But what a B2B marketing team really wants to know is engagement. How are people engaging with my content? Who are they? What accounts are they with? And what are they most interested in? So that my team, my sales team in particular, can make that insight actionable, right? How can I draw the lines between engagement and influence on revenue? Those are the insights that we're seeking to provide that go beyond number of downloads which is again helpful for some people but when you get into b2b marketing teams they seek other information so that they can do what they need to do with it.
1: So part of what you casta does is actually the production and distribution of obviously the the podcast and the creation of the shows for these companies?
0: Actually no. Okay. We have partners and recommendations for how we can do that we have done that in the past but really we seek we are a software company and so we're the infrastructure and and the the amplified marketing methodology to say hey here's some thoughts on how you should do this and once you have a show what you should do with it to get to maximize the reach and therefore maximize the revenue that it drives but yeah we have a network of of partners that's growing and so if anybody's interested in, in learning more about that uh we can definitely talk, but in production agencies, marketing agencies that do the amplification, we come alongside as the infrastructure.
1: Yeah. And I'll probably follow up with you because I own a production agency called Fullcast and uh, it's a go. full service done for you agency. And, and it's funny because we specialize specifically in the things that, you know, business owners don't like to do. <laughs> and so the more I've added to it and the fact that, you know, it starts with the editing and the show notes and then the site the work postings posting to the website, then it's the graphics, the audiograms, the videograms. Yep. And then the we even write the copy that goes out to their guests, you know, because it's all the things that they don't like to do. <laughs> they just want to get on the mic and record. But what I'm noticing now is just more questions about, you know, there's some of the questions you got early on. What's what's the reach? What's the growth? Who's listening? Like, how are they listening? What platforms are they listening on? And I know, you know, I've tested out different hosting platforms. Some do a better job than others. I've worked the Chartable, you know, for metrics outreach. But it's interesting to see um, what you're what you're putting together with the with the platform in terms of providing that. So is, in, in a sense, for folks that have an existing podcast or people that are producing podcasts for other business owners, uh, do you see it as a solution that, that that those folks can plug into to give more insight into what's happening?
0: Yeah. So basically the workflow, how where we plug in is you go create a show. Someone would work with someone like you, or they would do it in-house, whether it's on their iPhone, or they have a big fancy studio, whatever it might be. They have, they end up with a the end of the day, they end up with an audio or video file that is done. Yeah. That's where Casted comes into play. So you upload it into Casted, we host it, we syndicate it, we get it out to Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever you want it to go, or maybe you want it to be private and you want it to just stay on that site. We're the host, we publish it. We give you a, a place where it lives on your website. So it's a page that's created by Casted, but it's on your domain. Yeah, And that's where you're able to create an entire brand experience for your company, for your brand, where somebody can experience that content. Where there's key takeaways, there's the ability to jump around within the show to specific spots so you don't have to listen to the whole thing. It's easy to go into the parts that are most relevant to you. You can get into related resources. You can see the transcript. And so that's all part of the publishing process. It's really easy. And then from there, we say, now what else are you going to do with it? We give you a transcript of every single show that's done by a human. So it's really accurate. Because again, everybody who's podcasters has has lived through some of the auto generated transcripts and how, sure. how comical those can be. <laughs> so it's really important that they're accurate because then we also provide audiograms and videograms and those draw from the transcript and they have to be accurate, right? Because if you're going to put something out on social media, yeah. it's got to be right with the closed captioning and or the transcript.
1: And you have a team that those are manually created as well. Yep. yep.
0: Yep. Those are created by a human automatically within the platform. So you upload it and it's done. But yeah, then we give you lots of opportunities to ring it out, to get back into that content and use it in multiple ways. And then also, as a, a because all of your audio and video content is housed there, you have this library, this entire database of all of your content all in one place that you can search through because it's all transcribed. So if I want to draw up any content about apples, right, because I want to do a whole campaign on apples, I can search through all of my podcast content, all of my video content all in one place and surface up what I might already have that I can reuse. And then, of course, we were talking about metrics. I can see how it's performing. It flows into my CRM so that I can see it in that context as well to say, how is this actually really driving business?
1: And do you do any or integrations with third-party solutions like PodTrack or Chartable, or do you, have you developed your own in-house?
0: Yeah. Yep. And they're growing all the time. So we integrate with with different CRMs, different CMS, with different marketing automation platforms, places that B2B marketers, again, with the B2B marketer in mind from day one, where are they working now? Where are their teams working? What are they already using that we need to flow into, pull from, push to, to make their lives easier and help them get maximum value out of the the creative work they're doing?
1: What have you found that works? Because I think it's this is one of the struggles with podcasters is, you know, they think that this by virtue of creating something, even something that's Truly compelling. You get some of these, you know, best-in-class audio production houses to create these sonic masterpieces, and they're really beautiful. And then, but no one's listening. Yeah. (laughs) So, what have you found? Because there's no shortage of platforms. You know, I've just came back, like I mentioned, from Podcast Movement. There's sessions on like Instagram for podcasters, TikTok for podcasters, Twitter for podcasters, LinkedIn for podcast. Like, as a you know, and naturally with bigger companies, you have a bigger team, social media team. But how do you think about guiding? The creators, the business owners, on guidance for where to distribute, best places to distribute in order to get the best reach, in order, and then also to measure. You know, are are you using unique tracking URLs on these specific platforms so you can see which ones are getting the most engagement?
0: Yeah. So there's, there's a lot. There's a lot there. I think when I think about what's happening now with you mentioned these big creative masterpieces, that's where the world's heading, right? And and I always call it accurately, but also tongue in cheek, it's the Netflixization of, sure. of the world. And especially as B2B marketers, like we're faced with a choice because regardless of whether you're at a small company or large enterprise, or you're a TikTok star, I mean, the everyone, no one is exempt from being under pressure to create better, more creative, more relevant content. And that doesn't mean expensive production, TikTok. It means better. And then... So... And that requires more time, more energy, more thought, more creative energy. And so if you're going to do that, which I think you should, you need you need to prioritize creativity and how it's going to lead to connection with your audience. And then, like you said, but what about if no one's listening? You need to slow down in order to generate better results. You need to focus on creating really great content, which is probably going to come at the cost of quantity in order to prove quantity over quality, which one is it? Better quality. Even if it comes at the cost of quantity, so you can make it really, really good. But then, that's where this approach of amplification that we talk about all the time—that's where that comes into play. So, if I'm going to take the time to get really intentional about creating something really, really meaningful, whatever that means for me or my brand or my business, I need to create that first, and then say, okay, now how? What are all the myriad ways I'm going to use it? How I'm going to use the the like you were talking about the clips, the audiograms, the videograms? How am I going to use the transcript? How am I going to create written content that this can be a part of? I'm going to create this ecosystem where I can amplify that source content across multiple different channels and use it in different ways over a long period of time and then keep coming back to it. That's how you get value out of it. And it might not be that 10,000 people are going to listen on day one, but it's going to say, okay, as especially for B2B marketing, how can I use it? to make sure that my the accounts that matter are engaging and how can I keep reaching out to them at different ways, perhaps even for different stages of the funnel. Like maybe I use something really broad for really top of funnel. And maybe I use a clip or a little testimonial that a customer said more deeper into the funnel, but I have that source content that I can keep drawing. I can keep going back to and amplifying in different ways. And that's how you really maximize the value of this creative work you're doing. You have to, it's no longer a story of like record and, or write as much as possible and publish and just expect great results.
1: The spray and pray. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Spray and pray. Yeah. it's, it's, It's not, that's not a strategy.
1: Because you focused on B2B at the end of the day is really like the question for the folks who are paying for these productions, how much any of those uh, shows are actually converting into clients.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to know that. Yeah. Some more than others. I mean, it's. I think if we're all honest, it's rare, and is it should not be the intention that somebody's going to listen to your podcast, and especially if you're like an enterprise business, be like, I listen to this podcast. Where do I sign this million dollar contract? You know, today there is no add to cart with this with this business model yet. But it's important. Yeah, yet, <laughs> and that's not because of technology. That's because of the way that these B2B businesses, it's the way thought leadership works. It's to create connection, establish trust. It's more long-term. It's a long game. So how do you connect the dots over a longer period of time and say, okay, this led to this, which led to this. How do I do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people reference the Trader Joe's podcast as an example of excellent branding. There's no actual people listening who are listening to that and say, well, oh, I need to go shop at Trader Joe's. But I remember listening to it as a Trader Joe's customer and saying, "Oh, this is an interesting way for me to like have a connection with the, the brand that I am familiar with, that I trust. And it's almost like a reinforcement because I'm like... You know, you get a feel for what the vibe is like when you're in a Trader Joe's store. But then, it's funny how much the show itself is almost that exact same vibe—just casual, fun. And it's—it's it's a fine line because I remember when you were getting started with with the casted podcast, you had Jay Bear on, and he and he was just saying, you know, everyone thinks you know the CEO or the C- CEO interviewing other you know, people from the company is going to make for an exciting podcast and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I think a line that he said is a lot of B2B podcasts are like a kazoo album.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love when he said that. Yeah.
1: And that, so it's partly that, and also partly not having the commitment. Cause he said, if you're just going to be in it for, you know, six months and then you're out, you're, you're going to fail because you're not in it for building that long-term engagement.
0: It's true. It's very all true. It's got to be a commitment to building connection and establishing human to human relationships and say, because we're all wired for human connection. That's part of why podcasts are so fun and so successful is that they, you and I are having a conversation and everyone who's listening is, we're inviting them to listen in on our conversation. And that's, that's really cool. And there's a a reason that that's cool is because it's, we're playing into that human need for what we're all hardwired for, which is connection and people feeling like, like they're in on something that means something. And Podcasts are are really great for that, but you have to be aware of what you're doing. Like, what are you talking about? What are you inviting them in on? Why should they care? How is this establishing trust? Not how is this driving a sale, but how is this establishing trust? Good point. And then constantly asking yourself, how else can I use it so that it ultimately does turn into a sale? Because that connection breeds trust, which builds relationships, which then ultimately will drive conversion, which will lead to customers. And then when those customers do join in, they're more loyal, like you said. You were already a Trader Joe's customer, yeah. and it it like reaffirmed, and it probably changed your state of mind, like it did for so many other people. When you're shopping there, you're like, oh, "I like shopping there. <laughs> exactly. I like this place." And you know, maybe you're even listening to the podcast while you're shopping in <laughs> the aisles. And
1: super. That's fan. it,
0: right? Yeah.
1: And that's hard to measure.
0: It is. It is. It's hard to measure, depending on what you're trying to measure, okay. right? So if you're trying to say, did this podcast how many sales did this podcast generate? And perhaps, I mean, sure, there are ways that you can ultimately get to that. But perhaps the better question is, how is this driving engagement? How is this bringing more of the right people in? And how do I know? How is this helping my sales team have an easier time reaching out or establishing connection? So how is this priming the pump for better outcomes? And how do I know? And that's, that's what we're trying to get to with, with Casted.
1: How important is it when you work with shows that are where they've already been produced? Do you provide additional guidance on anything they can do to enhance the production? One of the things I like to remind um, clients is that at the end have a clear call to action, you know. And sometimes it's a lead magnet, something that could just take the conversation offline so they can continue to engage with the company. Sometimes it's leave a rating and review, and and I know ratings and reviews don't do anything for the actual ratings uh, visibility, but what I like about them is the fact that you're actually get feedback and you can hear or someone write in something about the show. And now, you know, like, oh, this person actually listened and this person actually took the time to write a review and this person likes the content. And that's why like we use a service called ratethispodcast.com, which is a very simple one to do. But how do you think about ways to take the conversation offline away from the podcast? It's
0: a really good question. What I've seen in our own podcast, because I'm sure you can imagine we have a few, (laughs) some internal ones and some external ones, and and then amongst our customers too, is yes, thinking about how can I make this show more engaging and more interactive, how can I make it more rich and relevant. I always say when you start with who is it for and why am I doing it, you're gonna be off to a, a greater start. But then it's also thinking more holistically beyond the show of how else can I use it? How else will what was said in this show? be relevant and engaging, which again, I'm like a broken record, but it comes back to this amplification of it's not just about the show. It's about what was said. It's about everything in it. It's about the content that's there. And then that's where you get to get really creative as a marketer around what else am I going to do with it? How am I going to use it in lots of different ways to, to build those connections?
1: So naturally you have the casted podcast and it was, I imagine something that you knew was going to happen from day one. (laughs) You have to eat your your own dog food. I don't know if there's a better phrase than that nowadays, but.
0: (laughs) We like to say drink your own champagne. Drink
1: your own champagne. I like that one. How have you grown as a, a podcast host over the years?
0: I enjoy it more, which I think makes a big difference. I see it a lot more now is truly having a conversation, and I get really excited about the conversation. Like this is fun. Like what yeah. <laughs> you and I are doing right now is fun. Yeah. And as opposed to like recording a podcast, and the more I get to do, whether I'm on someone else's show like yours or somebody comes on mine, I see it as an opportunity to have a conversation that that person hasn't had before, and how can we get into things that are a little bit different and more exciting for who I'm talking to, and also obviously everybody who's listening or watching. So yeah, I just find I find the joy in it, I think a little bit more than I used to because it felt more like I've got to do this thing. And and when when the nerves are there, you know, the early days it's like, ah, what am I gonna sound like? You get and, the
1: questions in hand and you're like, I gotta get to these questions.
0: Okay, <laughs> next question. But I think the more fun you have, the more effortless it is, the more, you know, naturally engaging it is.
1: I think for me what I found is an appreciation for old school interviewers and I was born in 1970, so I grew up with like uh, talk shows and like 2020 and Barbara Walters and 60 Minutes and and just, you don't have an appreciation of what they're doing in the moment to just hold a conversation and to be able to engage, maybe get through difficult topics, Yeah, you know, be comfortable with silence and then it's just all these, you know, be naturally curious and it's these skills that I think over the years, I started my show in 2014 and I did have those questions in the beginning Yeah, <laughs> and then you, I think six or seven episodes in, I had episode I had a host, uh, John Lee Dumas Ron on Fire, who notoriously only gives you 30 minutes for his show. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to get through these questions. So I was just like, tossed them and just like, let's just talk. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really just a relief to just know that you could just engage human to human. And what I realized is those episodes where you're just naturally engaging with someone on a personal level are the ones that get the most engagement from listeners too. Yep, Because there's the three people in in a podcast conversation, the host, the guest and the listener Yes, and and never forgetting, like there's someone listening to us speaking right now and hello listener. And thank you for (laughs) tuning in time delayed, you know, in the future, but you look nice today. (laughs) (laughs) It's because it's the intimacy, right? The, yeah, the the earbuds right there. That's one person listening at a time to each episode. And sometimes people, podcasters like, Hey everyone, you know, but it's really just the one person and you're communicating to them and then them feeling that they're being included in the conversation, I think is really important.
0: It's true. And the more personal you can get, which personal means a lot of different things. Like, you know, we get personal, but if there's any personal element, like earlier you said, like you had listened to one of our podcasts and you're talking about Jay Bear, Like that was fun for me to recall. i like, oh my gosh, I, I haven't thought about that episode in a while. To the extent that I ever, I know someone personally, I like to talk about how or why we met, you know, at the show that I do, Casting a Vision, is it's a leadership podcast, just like a billion other ones out there. But the one thing that's unique about it that no one else can do it's up to you if you want to listen, but it's the one thing that's unique about it is it's it's people that I have a personal connection with. It might not be interesting to people, but it's you know it's interesting to some. And it's like, hey, remember, you know, you and I met when I was doing this and this, and I remember you told me this and this, and that stuck with me. Yeah. And so that's unique at the very least, and hopefully at best, it's engaging and keeps somebody coming back again because it's like, you know, who's she going to talk to this time, and and what's that connection? Sure. And so to the extent that you can make it personal and make it personable that's fun to listen to.
1: Yeah. There's something about a conversation when you can tell that both people have a relationship or interest in speaking with each other, as opposed to those that you've listened to, where it's just, you can tell they just met for the first time and it's really yeah. like awkward.
0: I'm talking about my book. Here is the thing I've said on every show. Yeah.
1: And just, I like kind of putting people out of their comfort zone. And actually when you have a podcast about podcasts and you get pitched like a ton of stuff and just like, you know, I have an author, I have this really cool marketer and he's got this really great book. And I'm like, Does he have a podcast? And have have you even like read like my shows about like, and he's like, no, And it's just the spamming. And there's this whole argument right now about the email that's included in the RSS feed and how people can just obviously like take advantage of that and spam it. So I think trying to figure out uh, workarounds around that. You mentioned that leadership show and that made me think of a question. Is there someone that you can think of that's been a mentor for you in the past that's had an impact on your career and, and your growth? A lot. Yeah.
0: So many. Any specific area? I'm like, there's so many.
1: Well, the fact that we talked about how your bread and butter is B2B marketing and, uh, you know, how that's been important for you. And and it's the basis for how you've grown this, this company.
0: Yeah. I mean, so many, I think starting early and and kind of moving forward. I mean, when I, my first job out of college, I had a, I was an intern at this company and they had promised me a, a job. And right at that time, we got a new CEO and he came in and he was like, who's this intern who's now running marketing? Cause we were a really small company. Like we have eight people. It was like, cool, we have an I have an intern now. I inherited an intern who's going to run marketing. Great. <laughs> but, and he gave me tests and trials. And at one point he was like, here, do the website. And I was like, okay. And I was young and didn't know any better and just did it. Apparently I passed all of his tests because then a, a switch flipped and he started giving me all these huge opportunities. And I was like, okay, you own this now, you own that now. Come with me to this place take on this thing, own that, own this relationship. And so here I was, You know, by the time I was 24, truly, I mean, I look back and I was legitimately doing all the things. I was making a lot of mistakes, but he let me. And he had a certain amount of trust, but also a high level of support for when I would mess up and which things he was going to use as teaching opportunities and which things he was just going to kind of quietly clean up in the background and let me move on. And, you know, that set me up for one, I got a huge amount of, and this is a, is something I recommend to people that are starting out in, in their career or in a new career, and also for leaders, is get as as wide a breadth of experience as you possibly can, because then you can always drill in deeper. And as leaders, like, let people do that. Like, take spread out your wings, try a whole bunch of things, and then you can always hone in later. And, and I was given that opportunity to try a whole bunch of things really, really early, and found, I love brand and content and ran with that pretty early on. So since then, obviously, so many people have had a profound impact on on me and my life and my career, but that one set a trajectory. His name's Ron Kitchens, and that set a trajectory for me very early on. So
1: Shout out to Ron. Hey Ron. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had someone similar. I came from a corporate background. I worked at uh, JP Morgan Chase and E-Trade. And had that, what I call my corporate godfather. <laughs> he just, I've worked for him like four or five different times. And he, he took a chance on I me mean, early on. I, I mean, I, I started out as a teller in a, in a bank and uh, he just recognized and saw something and, and then just gave me that opportunity to say like, Hey, I think you can figure this out. And he was always very patient. And he, and he, when you made the first mistake, he wasn't hard on you, but if you repeated the mistake, then obviously you didn't learn the lesson. So important distinction there. And how has that colored? How you when as you started to grow the company, you've got your own companies now, do you, obviously do you feel like that's influenced how you manage now?
0: Sure, I mean, because there it's funny because his leadership style is very different than mine, and so in both ways, and like that was great that worked. Not going to do that though, yeah, yeah, or also you know, you mentioned trust and patience and taking a chance on people from this standpoint, you realize how hard that is because yeah. there's you know more, I know more about what was at stake, and how him trusting me how much that meant. That was a lot, but it's, it has proven to me how great it can be for the company and how life changing it can be for real humans, which is really why we're here, you know? So,
1: yeah. I'm sure there's people listening that are, are looking for that early opportunity that someone to trust in them to give them. And with so many people who it's really interesting, like They don't have the corporate background. And then with what happened with whatever you want to call the past two years, the Great Reset, like not working in an an environment where you're next to your coworker. Just quickly, what has that been like for for Casted in terms of like adjusting (laughs) to the new environment?
0: Yeah. I mean, like do the math. We are three years old and the last two years. <laughs> so um, it's it's been a great fun. time to be
1: a business owner. <laughs> great
0: time to be to start a business. Yeah, we started in April 2019 and luckily we had some really strong traction in the the 10 months that we got prior to the pandemic and some incredible people. I mean, people, people, people. It has all been about these people. Like uh, this team is just absolutely exceptional and keeps getting better. But you know, for us, I mean, we started out, we had 10 people going into the pandemic and we were all in a room that was an office. And then we all went remote. And that was at least a shared experience. We didn't have an office anymore. We were all remote. And then this past fall, we opened up an office, which has been so great. But we decided to be hybrid and truly flexible and really show up to say, I don't care when you work, I don't care how you work, and we're gonna double down on that. It's been so great and it's the right thing to do, but it's a challenge because it's how do you create that shared experience for everyone? How do you embrace the culture? How do you make sure people are feeling seen and feel seen and heard and appreciated in a place where it's it's so much more ambiguous and and they aren't literally seen or heard. <laughs> so um you know, how do you how do you wrap your arms around a team when they are all over the place? literally? Uh, ours are all here in Indianapolis with except for a couple of people. but that said, I mean, many decided that they just want to be remote, which is fine. And so that's been a challenge. It's been a good challenge. It's been a healthy challenge to say, how do we get really clear about what our goals and expectations are, about what good looks like, about what flexibility means, about how we work together, how we collaborate, what autonomy means, all of these things in this new thing that is new to all of us, including the company that's new, I mean, <laughs> that's, that, that's never been here before. So it's been a really good challenge. And I, I like what it's doing for us. I like what it, what's happening in the world around it but it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for anybody in this spot. You know, we're not alone.
1: Yeah. I'm new to the Midwest. I'm currently in Minneapolis and, uh, but grew up in New York and prior to here, lived in LA. So I'm putting my boats go. So I'm getting a few wet or frozen here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the polar bear plunge.
1: Not yet, but uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what's something about Indianapolis that uh, most people who haven't been there, like don't know or, or wouldn't appreciate?
0: Yeah, I might even zoom out and say that the Midwest in general, welcome. The Midwest yeah, welcomes you. you. I grew up in Michigan uh, by way of Chicago for a few years before we moved here um, to Indianapolis. And so the mitten shaped motherland is my home. And I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I like to call it. Yeah. But, you know, I, what do people need to know? Indianapolis in particular is a really great place to live and work. I have a family and it's been great. Great place for our family and truly there is a strong and growing marketing technology SaaS startup scene here we have had no problem hiring really great people here with great experience and who are excited about what we're doing there's a strong business community here that's in and around martech and um it's a pretty cool place that if it's not on your radar it should be
1: it's not just the the indianapolis 500
0: it's not. <laughs> it's not, or the um, all of the NCAA tournaments yeah, that they have right. here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things here. That have you're you like, ever been oh,
1: to the Indianapolis Five Hundred? I have
0: not. Okay, I, I have not.
1: I, I haven't either. I, I from what I've heard, I'm not into that at all. But I understand it's an experience. Like,
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like a, it's, it, May. May is yeah. the Indy Five Hundred in Indianapolis. It's not one day, uh, but I've been to the track, and it's it's a pretty cool place to be.
1: Uh, a couple questions as we wrap up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently?
0: It is more important than I ever thought it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> that one resonates for me because I, I have trouble getting more than six hours. So. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the
0: pandemic did it for me where it was like, oh, my life is different because I'm sleeping. Okay. yeah, I get it. Yeah. I changed my mind. Mm-hmm. And
1: there's something weird about being awake and then your mind starts starting a day. So your mind starts the day ahead of like your your body and then you're like, I want to get back to sleep, but like you think of all the things you have to get done that day. Yeah. I did find a new supplement I'm trying out from a company called Neurohacker called uh, Qualia Night, night, and you take it at dinner and it does, it's not like melatonin that induce, it doesn't make you sleepy. It uh, induces the creation of melatonin so that over time, as you get ready for sleep, it's supposed to be a deeper sleep, a lot of science behind it. It's called Qualia, a night. I could send you the details after. So always testing out <laughs> new ideas to keep the mind functioning. Um, yes, optimally. it's important. Yeah. What's the most misunderstood thing about you?
0: About me and I think also about kind of all founders is that you work all the time yeah. and that it ha- that hustle and grind is the only way. And I have not subscribe to that mentality. I have three kiddos and we like to snuggle and watch movies. (laughs) And so, you know, boundaries are important to me.
1: I think it's setting a a good example for them early on, because if they see you hustling, grinding, and they think that that's the only way, then as they get older and they move into what they're doing, you know, I think setting a precedent for them that it's important to take time for family, for health, for, you know, relaxing, winding down, I think is, 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 is really good uh, example to set.
0: It's true. And also they see me I have three boys and they see me also loving what I do, right? It's not like, well, oh, mom mom isn't available for this thing because I have to go do that thing. It's like, no, come come watch. Like yeah. watch the thing <laughs> that I'm doing that yeah. that I really enjoy. And yeah, so it is. It's important. It's it's one life.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, true. Early on in the show, you had Tom Webster who I've interviewed on my show as well. Really great guy. I got to say a brief hello to him on uh, podcast movement. And so naturally, as you think about him being the cutting edge to what's happening with the future as we wrap up, like what has you excited when you look at the trends of where podcasting is heading? I mean, that graph, the Edison research graph just continues to go up (laughs) for like 10 plus years. And so it's really exciting time to be there. And, And I'm wondering, as you think about the future of casted, the future of podcasting, what comes to mind?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you started in 2014. You think it's a trend? Yeah. I thought
1: it was late then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was about 10 years after the first podcast, the the word podcast was coined. Yeah. I think it's safe to say it's not a trend, don't you? It's it's not a trend. What's exciting to me is when we got started with Casted, we had a lot of raised eyebrows around like B2B podcast. Really? Is that a thing? (laughs) Yes, that's a thing. And so I'm excited to see that question be asked less and less, as it truly does become a thing. And I'm really excited to see it not coming off of being an island over here. Like, oh, you have your entire marketing strategy and your content strategy. Oh, and then over here in the margins, there's a podcast. One thing that I've been advocating for and that we at Casted have been advocating for is it should be the center. Your podcast should be the middle. Your audio and video content should be the very, like the nucleus of everything else you're doing. And we're starting to see that happen. And I believe it's the future of B2B marketing, full stop. And I'm really excited to see that happen.
1: Yeah, Who's an ideal prospect or uh, client for Casted?
0: We see a lot of really fun success with our big enterprise customers. You know, we're working with IBM and Salesforce. And so more of those, you know, the the, the Oracles and Microsofts of the world. I would love to, to keep on bringing customers like that in that have tons and tons of content and say, hey, like... Let's help you organize it, make it more accessible and and get more value out of it. That's a lot of fun.
1: Okay. That's good to know and good for the listeners to hear.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Come on in. Come on over. (laughs) The
1: water's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Lindsay, I'm glad your team reached out. I'm glad, uh, you know, I had heard of you on the periphery and I think I may have even seen you at an early conference when you guys were doing some of the the regular ones. So I'm glad to to finally chat and hear your backstory and it's very inspirational and and to meet other folks in the podcasting space and, and to see all the different ways people are working within podcasting, big and small, I think is really inspiring. I appreciate you sharing your story.
0: Thanks so much for listening, <laughs> you and everybody who's who's joining in. This, is, this has been a lot of fun.
1: Where's the best place to send folks to learn more about Casted?
0: Yeah, you can come to the Casted website, which is casted.us. And then I'm really active on LinkedIn and, and Twitter.
1: Okay, I appreciate your time.
0: Thank you. You too.
1: Thanks again to Lindsay for coming on the show. Much appreciated always 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 never want to take it for granted the hour that people spend with me sharing their story with you and if you're getting value from it let them know let me know let everyone know if you're finding a good conversation and you want to share it as a podcast listener one of the best ways that i get recommendations is when other people recommend specific podcast episodes or shows. So if this has been adding value for you over the years or just with this specific episode, I would love it if you shared this with a friend you think would enjoy it. Intro and outro music composed by my friend Cedar and Soil. Cedarsoil.com for its full list of music. Don't forget to check out our f- sponsor Focusrite and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlett 2i2 Pro. We'll be getting a sneak peek at some of the new gear coming up soon, so stay tuned and listen In this space for more details, their full lineup is available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast, really focusing in on working with folks in the spirituality space, consciousness raising space. And you'll see some of the language changing for me on my profile, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and on the Fullcast site. But if that's something that is a fit for you, One of the new taglines that I'm using is I'm a conduit for awakened souls ready to transmit their message to a global audience. So that's a work in progress, but it'll give you a feel for where I'm headed. If any of that resonates with you, you can learn more at fullcast.co. Tune in next week for my conversation with Chris Martinez. And if you've made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with Casted Lindsay, C-A-S-T-E-D-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y and tag podcast underscore junkies. And... Casted at GoCasted. Thanks for all you do to support the show. I'll talk to you next week.